Afternoon, Troubadours. How he's doing? He's good. Hope he's enjoying the heatwave. If he's in Scotland or the UK or Europe, and I think everywhere else is warm. It's been a bit too warm, though, isn't it? <laughs> ah, some small talk, weather chat to begin episode seven of you call that radio, where we discuss. The deep, meaningful stuff like the meaning of life and stuff about crisps and the art of everything. Episode 7 today features an interview with hip-hop and poetic legends Sage, Francis and B. Dolan. Can't believe I've actually got them on the show. So delighted to have them on it. Excellent writers rappers and people probably in that order so the way that'll be coming up later on just back from doing the rabbit hole they absolutely smashed this year doing the rabbit hole different level absolutely different level i've been to about eight doing the rabbit holes that was our 10th year i didn't make it last year i think we were at the gasp album once last year but they have set new levels they've just got so much better so shout-outs to all the crew at Doon the Rabbit Hole. Thanks to Che for having us. The Gyro Babies, we got to play a late-night sketchy set at half 12 at midnight on the Saturday. And it was quite scary. I just stoned about the festival site all day, staying sober, watching everyone else get progressively more and more mad with it. And I was actually quite scared to do that sober. But I just did it anyway. And... I was, a wee bit, I was actually so nervous that I was actually a wee bit sick before I went on stage. The full, the full booner, the full booner. I was not. I, I wish I'd actually taken my. I forgot to take the CBD oil with me because I've been taking this full spectrum CBD oil for the last week and a half or so from the dispensary CBD.com. And my plan was to try that out. So when you get the wee nerves before you go on stage, you take a wee drop of that and see if it helps. I forgot to take it with me, so I don't know. If not having it contributed to the nerves, but I was actually nervous, proper nervous. I felt a wee bit, sort of tad underprepared and with new players with us and stuff like that. We'd left in sitar as well, which um, which was great fun to have him on the stage with us. But shout out to everyone that came out to see us. It felt really good as soon as I went on stage. It was busy, great atmosphere, and I felt good. So thank you. And also another... You call that radio story as the winner of a raffle. We have raffles regularly for all the Patreons who support the show at patreon.com forward slash you call that radio. And if you sign up to the Mince and Tatties crew or the Cheeky Pizzas crew, then you get bonus material, discounts, freebies, and we do regular raffles. The winner of the raffle for the rabbit hole this week was actually Grant. He couldn't make it. So we had a controversial re-raffle, which Abby Normal won. And in order to get in, she gave her name at the door. And they were asking about, you call that radio through the radios, which caused a bit of confusion. I wish we'd filmed it, but it's maybe given us an idea for a, a skit or, a, or an advert somewhere further down the line. Also, about the CBD oil as well, it's, I found, I just I said I would keep you up to date with it. So uh, the dispensarycbd.com sent me a, a free bottle of the full spectrum stuff to try it out. And it's really good. I'm noticing a, a total difference. I don't feel as, sto- as stoned anymore when I take it. I did feel a wee bit stoned at the start. But I don't know if that was all in my head. But I feel so much more relaxed. I don't know if it's making me a little bit less productive because I generally operate on high amounts of adrenaline and cortisol but that's more in the head it's not really the CBD oil's fault it feels good to be a lot more relaxed so I would recommend it 
We've also got a discount for you call that radio listeners. So if you do like CBD products, then type in YCT15 at the checkout. So it's the the dispensary cbd.com. Type in YCT15 at the checkout and you'll get yourself a 15% discount. I recommend it. I'm really enjoying it. And I'll definitely remember to take a drop before I go on stage at the next Gyro Babies gig, which is Edinburgh Fringe on the 23rd of August. We're playing with the Mickey Nines. It's a free show at Stramash, so it will be mobbed. Get there early if you can. I think we're on about 11 or 12 on the 23rd of August. And then we're going to Milton Music Festival on the 14th of September. We're playing with Kyle Faulkner from The View and a few other people in the north of Glasgow. Should be a good local community event. So get involved if you can. And then it's the big one, the Barris Fest. We're playing the Glasgow Barland Ballroom. It's the third time the Gyro Babies have had the honour of playing the best venue on the planet. And this time it's even more scary because we're going on stage right after my hero, Steve Mason, who's playing on stage before us. There's also going to be Mungo's Hi-Fi for the finale. We've got the Moods, John McMurstard and Friends, and there will be special guests. There's also a Friday night as well, so get yourself a weekend ticket. It's going to be a great weekend on September the 21st and 22nd. And the final plug from me is I am doing a couple of spoken word sets. The 8th of August at Edinburgh Fringe at the National Museum of Scotland, half 10 at night, John McMurstard and Friends, I'll be doing a set alongside Spring Break and Doogie from Mickey Nines. And I think we're also having some sort of compliments battle rap tournament, which I need to find out more about so that I can prepare accordingly. And we'll also be doing a wee thing on the 11th of August and the 12th of August. Check you call that radio Facebook page for announcements. I don't think I'm allowed to announce that yet. And I will be at Belladrum this Friday night. I think that's the 3rd or the 4th of August. Half 10 at night in the, in the Verbs tent, the poetry tent, I'll be doing a, I'll be headlining it with a special guest musician or two. So really looking forward to going to Belladrum. I haven't been there for years. So hopefully see at one of the events. It's been a mad week. For all those that are not aware, Boris Johnson is our new Prime Minister. So... I think before we go and speak to Sage Francis and B. Dolan, we've got to acknowledge this. This isn't a politics show as such, but it would be remiss of us to not mention that Boris Johnson is the new Prime Minister. So let's begin with a special episode of Bad Excuses from Mad Politicians. Bad excuses from mad politicians Blame it all on the other person It's bad excuses from mad politicians Blame it all on the other person I misspoke, I was tired Must have lost the dossiers in the tumble dryer fire You remember that? Look the other way I'm gonna seek help or sack my PA Let me be clear, but be very vague Keep my job, I do whatever it takes Don't call this an apology Direct your questions to another day Expenses out of context, now I'm on my way To be with my family, that's all I've got to say Welcome to Bad Excuses from Bad Politicians a Boris Johnson special. Did a bit of digging around and found that he doesn't really excuse himself much. He usually just denies it or ignores it. So instead, we'll just ask a few questions and then we'll read out what some of our listeners think about it. So, first of all, Boris Johnson is Prime Minister. What does it all mean? How fucked are we? Is he going to sell the NHS off to Richard Branson, Ronald McDonald and Skeletor? Is he going to replace freedom of speech with hundreds of statues of himself? You know, the wee, the early ones that are everywhere. Except that they're Boris Johnson statues. 
and they give you food bank vouchers in exchange for grassing up your neighbours. Is he a, a baffled buffoon who fluked it through privilege, luck and lack of any kind of competition who is actually stumbling face first into one of the biggest rogues in international politics? Or is he an evil genius pretending to be a baffling buffoon who flicked through privilege, luck and lack of any competition who is stumbling face first into one of the biggest rogues in international politics? So that he can asset strip the entire country and make him and his pals even richer at our expense. What does that say about Britain? That we would want to be led by a baffling buffoon anyway? Why are we okay with that? Why was this such a good technique to spend years waiting for the right time to swoop in? Didn't we ask all the exact same questions for Donald Trump? Was it better or worse that people sort of actually voted for Trump? Is it better or worse that Boris Johnson didn't really do a media campaign of any sort? I mean, Trump quoted the world's press for a very long time, talking all day and all night. Boris Johnson did the opposite and just avoided the media so that he didn't say anything that might fuck up his chances. But there is definite similarities between the pair of them. And is it okay to slag both their hair? Or do we need to take the moral high ground and move on from shaming anyone over their appearances? But the similarities are weird though, innit? They both do have weird hair though, don't they? But by mocking their image, are we falling into a trap? Are we just as bad as them who hate immigrants by judging books by their cover? Or is it okay to slag someone's appearance once you're certain that they are complete ball bags? You know, you've read the book from cover to cover and you're certain that it's okay to judge the book once you've read it, if that makes sense? Or is the term buffoon offensive to buffoons? If we all believe that these guys are merely an ever-rotating bunch of puppets and muppets, and what will be will be regardless of who is in charge, is it always going to be a never-ending game of whack-a-mole, but instead of moles we get cartoon bad guys? What is it about politics that attracts such fannies? The kind and the keenest of minds seem to want no part in this shit show. So what do we do? Do we force good people to take up office? Would that make us bad? Would that make them turn bad? Are they going to end up doing good stuff by mistake, like decriminalise drugs, just so that they can sell drugs? I think there is a strong chance he will legalise weed, just so he can punt weed. Or is it time to really think about Scottish independence? Or is it time for a general election? Is it time to give Corbyn a chance? Surely him wearing flip-flops can't be as bad as all of this. Or is voting for the lesser evil just encouraging them, delaying any real change and speeding up the demise of humanity? We can't even have satire anymore because between Trump and Boris, whose real name is Alexander Boris de Fefel, Johnson, it feels like we are living and a Charlie Brooker sketch. up the strange
coherent sense. Take this example, you know, we normally would satirise what's going on. But this is bad excuses for bad politicians. He doesn't make excuses anymore. No. He just ignores them or moves on. You know, he just ignores them or denies it. So I'm going to read out. We asked what our listeners thought. I couldn't find anyone who liked Boris Johnson in Glasgow and I wanted to make it fair. So I put the question out to our listeners who are from all backgrounds, live all over the world, to see what their thoughts were. The question was simply, Boris Johnson is, and then it's fill in the blanks. Uh, now, just to warn you that there's some strong language in this bit. I've, I've, I think there's only a couple that I've not going to say out loud, but there's quite a lot here. But this is just to get the general gauge for anyone who's maybe in a different country and is wondering, you know, what's the feeling over? Because this is mostly Scottish answers, but there is people from all around the world responding to this. So, Pat McGuire, Boris Johnson is a long forgotten Donald Trump sperm sample from a paternity case. Will be Joe. Boris Johnson is what you get if you put belly button fluff and a thesaurus in a washing machine. Brian Crosby, Boris Johnson is Jimmy Savile and Thatcher's love child. Michael, Boris Johnson is Turkish. Ian Boyce, Boris Johnson is still a pure fanny. Colin Syme, Boris Johnson is my uncle. Colin Syme actually stormed off once off stage one time with the gyro babies because someone said something against Ed Miliband who he claimed was his uncle. That was inside Joe there. Gordon Booth. Boris, Boris Johnson is proof that it's all gone to fuck. James. Boris Johnson is meat. Rona. Boris Johnson is the last PM of the United Kingdom. Taz. Boris Johnson is a worse cunt. John Walker. Boris Johnson is just misunderstood by every cunt that isn't Boris Johnson. 100% of Boris Johnson's can't be wrong. Gary. Boris Johnson is Russian. Boris Johnson is unelected. Boris Johnson is a stooge. That was three from Gary there. Thank you, Gary. Roland. Boris Johnson is a funny, weird little man. I don't dislike him. I just wouldn't give him a country to run. Lisa Milne. Boris Johnson is a boby. Stuart Bestie. Boris Johnson is the last Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. Mike. I can't read that one out. Karina. Boris Johnson isn't the boss of me or my country. Wibby. Boris Johnson is the product of Count Dooku bombing a wiki. Viv. Boris Johnson is an unelected fascist. Sharon Hart. Boris Johnson is the father of my child and she's attached a picture of a child that looks suspiciously like Boris Johnson. Marion. Boris Johnson is shit side show Bob. Raymond Dito. Boris Johnson is riding my bike. Giovanni. Boris Johnson is Johnson Boris. Kev White. Boris Johnson is hiding from me. Sean O'Brien. Boris Johnson is the prime example of Britain's pathetic class system. Sean Panda. Boris Johnson is not worth our breath. JJ Sutherland. Boris Johnson is aerial in the new upcoming live action adaption of Disney's The Little Mermaid. Andy Jackson. Boris Johnson is job honours sin. That's an anagram by the way. Job honours sin. Shell. Boris Johnson is who? Nick. Boris Johnson is a wanker. Liam. Boris Johnson is bothers Scotland. Alan. Boris Johnson is still a pure fanny. Tony. Boris Johnson is the utopia thief. To be fair, I think someone took utopia before Boris. Colin. Boris Johnson is an old pair of clown shoes unfit for a bin. Rosie. Boris Johnson is oddly the Prime Minister. Lee. Boris Johnson is a puppet who really looks like one. The puppeteers must be laughing so hard. Alan. Boris Johnson is a melted welly. Alan. Boris Johnson is a lying, evil, racist, old Victorian Tory cunt. Lindsay. Boris Johnson is a ball bag. Cross. Boris Johnson is Prime Minister, and there we were laughing at America. Paul Martin. Boris Johnson is a selfish lover. Laird David. Boris Johnson is a disgrace to the buffoon society. David Moses. Boris Johnson is Prime Minister. Moxie. Boris Johnson is my penis. Kat Gahooly. Boris Johnson is a big, dirty tadger massager. Lucy Lyrical. Boris Johnson is the icing on the cake made of crap. Ailes and Nicol. Boris Johnson is the latest bad guy to help create division across the classes and regions. Dave McAleese. Boris Johnson is the troll under the bridge. Richard Starry. Boris Johnson is not even his real name. Correct. Susan. Boris Johnson is not a man who gave a fuck about anybody else. Mary. Boris Johnson is my last shite. Will. Boris Johnson is a big clammy bag of demon guts. Fudgy. Boris Johnson is the next Doctor Who. Chosky. Boris Johnson is a pioneer of boom bap. Billy. Boris Johnson. I can't read that one out. Kev. Boris Johnson is a balloon. Stephen. Boris Johnson is headlining Transmit 2020. Elaine. Boris Johnson is a wannabe dictator. Martin McFadden. Boris Johnson is a Johnson. You were in the USA. Norrie. Boris Johnson is unelected. Rob. Boris Johnson is redundant. 
Dino, Boris Johnson is a sociopath with criminal pals. Francis, Boris Johnson is a known almost affectionately to all his chums in the media and politics is bojo. To Scottish people and other sane inhabitants of these islands, he's simply called Bobag. Gustav, Boris Johnson is not. David, can't read that one out. Dino, Boris Johnson is a millionaire who plans to use taxpayers' money not to fund the NHS but to buy himself furniture for his new Downing Street home. Ewan, Boris Johnson is worse than the guy who made Jeremy Kyle fuck my wife with his. Might be the same guy, to be fair. Mandy, Boris Johnson is an extremely silly sausage. Stuart, Boris Johnson is an unadulterated stray jizzler biscuit crunching arse truffle only rivaled by the orange rapey cock war over there well fucked and polluted sea whose arse is now his main source of nutrients. Gustav, the living Boris Johnson is the living embodiment of the Dunning-Kruger effect. Sean, Boris Johnson has nothing to do with furniture polish or the dry cleaners. El Philbert, Boris Johnson is being totally controlled by the radical left in an American accent. Boris Johnson is totally controlled by the radical left. Aye. Sammy Stewart, Boris Johnson is a cockwomble. Boris Johnson... Don't steal. Boris Johnson is some kind of stripped off one of Trump's hemorrhoids and stuck in a petri dish and waiting for him to grow. We are fucked. Stephen. Boris Johnson is a new hope. Oh, there's one in the, the positive column. James. Boris Johnson is the last Prime Minister of a United Kingdom. Mako. Boris Johnson is hopefully the unknowing harbinger of the end times of Western robber barren capitalism. Robbie. Boris Johnson is a heavy tadger. Rosen. Boris Johnson has done a better job of convincing Scottish people to vote for independence than Salmon ever could. Tracy. Boris Johnson is a total cunt shovel. Barry, Boris Johnson is going to lead us into a new utopian era. Ish has posted a picture of a badge that simply says, fuck Boris. Richard, Boris Johnson is the route to Scottish freedom. What if that goes down there? Voted for him. It beggars belief that him and Trump are in power. Nodge says, Boris Johnson is a perfect cheerleader for the farcical and dying United Kingdom. Lucia says, Boris Johnson is an e-head. Anne says, Boris Johnson is a walloper. Katrina says, Boris Johnson is due to getting rattled. Neil says, Boris Johnson is a distraction tactic. Buckley says Boris Johnson is a high court grass. Chris says Boris Johnson is the beginning of the end. He's going to finish off that Churchill quote. Ewan says Boris Johnson is actual blood brother of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Sean says Boris Johnson is a wolf in clown's clothing. Lewis says Boris Johnson is an eaten mess. Lewis says Boris Johnson is a puffball of a fanny. Colin says Boris Johnson is a gyro robber. Ross says Boris Johnson is a problem. Danny says Boris Johnson is a floppy-haired shite gobbin. Shite gibbon. A floppy-haired shite gibbon. Bonnie says, Boris Johnson's hopefully the reason we finally rebel and take the shit system down. Marco says, Boris Johnson is banana man. Marco also says, Boris Johnson is super grand. Marco also says, Boris Johnson is the scunner Campbell. Lorel says, Boris Johnson is an overprivileged cunt. Kenny McBride says, Boris Johnson is fucking my wife. Roberta says, Boris Johnson is a pure shit show. Ben says, Boris Johnson is a pure bam. Annie says, Boris Johnson is a dangerous, stuck-up, overpaid, dunderheed. Nick says, Boris Johnson is the best thing to happen for the indie movement. And Jamie McKenzie says, Boris Johnson is probably bored deep in Theresa May. I've had no phone. It's easy to not smoke when you've not got ridiculous requests and unpredictable questions from musicians. Usually musicians. So my phone's broke and I feel relaxed about it. And yeah. Wait, this is the last one. What, what, what do you say? Do you call that radio? You call that radio? Right, okay. You having a laugh? <laughs> have you, have you, are you a reveler? Oh, yeah, 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 yes, I'm uh, particularly fond of reveling. Yeah. yeah. How long have you been reveling for? Oh, I've been reveling for at least 40 years. But I wear it well. I wear it well. You're reveling well. <laughs> so, is, how would you rate this reveling weekend? Oh, as reveling goes, I would say that's a maybe an eight or a nine. An eight or eight. <laughs> yes. That's some very good reveling. Yeah, yeah, yourself, yeah. I've reveled. I've came to stop the reveling. <laughs> <laughs> Beat it up to the campsites. It's a security guard here that's trying to stop the reveling. <laughs> so, I can start reveling. <laughs> I can't start, I can't start <laughs> until you stop. Can we just get a wee, you call that radio from you then? Sorry? You call that radio, that's why you need to send me go. You call that radio? Yeah, we're off, we're off. Yeah. You call that radio? Call that radio? You call that radio? You call that radio? Call that radio? Call that radio? You call that radio? We're off, we're off, we're off, The Revelin is over. You call that radio? No. And now it's time for the main event. B. Dolan and Sage Francis. It's an absolute honour to be able to speak to these guys. I've been a huge fan of B. Dolan for about 
10 years actually booked him for Pivo Pivo must have been 2012 where he played the gig with the Horn Dog Brass Band amazing night that was and Sage Francis I've been a huge fan of his work for years Jackal Trades uh, my, my other band we were lucky enough to be asked to support them last year at Stereo which was which was an amazing moment for us and it, I'm absolutely blown away that they would have a chat with us on You Call That Radio because these are proper international legends whether it's hip-hop or spoken word or comedy if anyone has seen their fringe shows before they are very very funny and very smart entertainers the live show is off the scale. They're playing Glasgow on the 9th of August at the Blue Arrow. It's not a big venue, so it will sell out. Get your tickets now. We'll also be giving away a ticket for our next raffle, which you can sign up to our regular raffles by supporting the show at patreon.com forward slash you call that radio. You can also support the show by sharing links to the show or by giving the show a rating or a favourable review. We'd appreciate all of that. But now it's time to go to the main event themselves, B. Dolan and Sage Francis. Okay, yeah, man, if you just, if you just give us a wee introduction just to check the levels are okay. Yes. Uh, oh, sorry. You go first, B. <laughs> We're doing great. Check one, two. This is B. Dolan. Sounds great, B. <laughs> How's it, how's it going, Sage, for you? Can you give a wee introduction there? One, two, three. This is me. I'm Sage Franny. Nice one, man. I think I think we're go- I think we're good to go then. Brilliant. Right. Jacked in. Cool, man. Well, first of all, thank you very much for taking the time to speak to me on you call that radio. It's an absolute honour. Massive fans of you both. So thank you for doing the show. Well, thanks for having us on, brother. Glad to be here. So, what's um, what's um, just start with the the new album? It's it's phenomenal. I'm loving the new album. Appreciate and it that. came quite quickly after the the EP release as well. So, I mean, what, what, what how much work, how how much blood, sweat, and tears went into the to getting this album together? <laughs> a little bit of blood, a significant amount of sweat, blood and, in the semen, even. Yeah, blood semen. There were tears. Yeah. Yeah, and the, I mean, both of them, we secretly consider it all the same project, but we broke it up into an EP and then an LP. Um, but they were all being pretty much worked on at the same time. Just some songs took a lot longer to complete than others. And the EP um, came out, which I, you know, it's longer than what a typical EP is and we wanted to get those songs out there so we could perform them live and have people familiar with the music so once we did that we were obligated to come up with more material for the album because we didn't really you know intend on like having the same songs from the EP on the album and um yeah so it was all one big whirlwind of us busting out and you know, all ends of business and creativity and, and songwriting and uh, production and video work and all that. It's It's been a, it's been a, it's been a time, my brother. It's been a time. It's been epic. Well, did you, well, you know, um, did you not just think, well, on an EP, I could just add a couple of skits and call it an album? <laughs> yeah. Neither one of us really from that school. That was, we both knew that when we set out to do this. We, neither one of us really make half-hearted albums if we're making an album our entire mind is consumed by it and we both see that in the other and so we always knew to combine the streams was going to be an intense process so there was never any like yeah we'll just make an ep and and test the waters we knew like if we're gonna you know jam these journals into into the same notebook you know or whatever the fucking metaphor is like it it was intense we knew it was going to be intense we didn't maybe know how intense. We didn't know three years was going to happen. But. So, did, did the name this was supposed to be fun? Did that? Would that come earlier on, or did that become when it became apparent that it was becoming a bit more work than you'd planned for? Did you think that's when the name sounded like a good idea? No, that was right at the end that the name the yeah. name kind of floated into place at the end. Yeah, um, after everything was done, we didn't have a title for the album while we were creating it. It just was after the fact. We started fishing around for what we thought the best 
album title would be. And <clears throat> that was one of the options that um, my fiance came up with based on um, one of the choruses on the album, which she misquoted, but it made it more sense. It made more sense for the album titles to say this was supposed to be fun. And it's not really totally referencing the album. It's not referencing the project, but it it alludes to a lot of things in life where you're like, wow, this ended up being a lot of work. This ended up being um, pretty brutal overall. This was supposed to be fun, but now look at us. We're spray painting on, uh, you know, statues in the middle of a desert. <laughs> Is this maybe a good segue to to mention the Edinburgh Fringe? So we've obviously got some friends of ours going every year go down to Edinburgh Fringe and a few of them are doing their shows for the first time. So would you have any advice for anyone that's doing a, a brutal show at Edinburgh Fringe every day? Stay hydrated. <laughs> uh, stretch. You need to stretch. Like Don't skip I'm, leg day. Don't if, skip leg day. If you're not used to hills... Uh, but you, I mean, if you're Scottish, you you might know what you're dealing with. But if you're not, boy, oh boy, <laughs> stretch it out. Yeah. Also, I, say, uh, I was about to tell you before B came on that we had a very special circumstance where we were paid a flat fee for our entire um, time at, at, yeah. at uh, Fringe, and most people that's not they're not really afforded that privilege and I, I feel for them. So they're hustling like crazy on the streets and just giving out flyers and doing free shows in hopes of getting tips, you know, to live off of. It's I, I, I feel for them, man. Cause we saw that for two years straight, we spent, you know, a full month there in both years and saw all these people pushing shows on to uh, passive buyers who obviously are being bombarded by flyers at all times. And um, that's crazy, man. I mean, our only advice, I guess, outside of having the best possible show is threaten journalists to make sure that you get that fifth star. And, and if, it, yeah, if, if they don't respect your gangster, show up in the motherfucking office and um, have a face-to-face. -face. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. The, the financial aspects of the fringe were always like kind of murky to me and how it works for performers who aren't getting a flat fee. And, and I can't necessarily like, like Sage said, like it was a pretty special circumstance that we got to go there. Um, but it was the humbling to be around those performers who audit where we're usually surrounded by musicians or, you know, to be in a, the environment with magicians, comedians, cats, like, busking, hustling. Yeah, the, the flyers and the free comedy thing is so common that it's almost, you know, it's a joke as you walk around Edinburgh for that month. But yeah, I think it also made us think about our live show a lot. It made us think of how how interesting we could be on stage together while writing together. It was a pretty inspiring environment. Is it, was that, is it, tr is it true that that was um, where most of the album was written during those French shows? Or while we were on the UK on tour in general, when most of the album was started, probably when most of the demos were, were yeah. started, was the first year at the Fringe. Yeah, I mean, I did, I did notice that. Well, I mean, obviously, I seen, I seen the your, your friend show the that it was brilliant, and then when I seen you go back to stereo, I did notice that the, the live show had upped a bit. So I suppose because you've been you know, trying out dis different disciplines and sort of testing yourself in new ways that it this obviously came into your, your live show. But I, I was, I also had the, um, I don't know if you remember, I had the, I was actually supporting you in the Glasgow stereo show and there was a few of my friends there that had never heard of you before and, and they weren't particularly into hip-hop as a genre and, and they came away absolutely buzzing from the show. So it's obviously, it's, it's quite clear that you have put a lot into that live show which I think that a lot of hip-hop in general suffers from, you know, it's a bit stale, you know, just a guy rapping with a backing track. So it's yeah. quite inspiring and refreshing to see someone add a bit more energy and, and some new stuff to it, new ideas. Yeah, stale is a wonderful word for that because um, it is common where people who are performing hip-hop to whom they would assume are just straight up hip hop heads and they can get away with having a stale performance as long as they're rapping on 
beat and saying certain punchlines, they get away with it. But we're not just trying to rap for hip hop heads. We want to be able to use hip hop to entertain any type of audience. I mean, of course, we were offensive to a lot of different types of people. And we had a lot of people work uh, just straight walk out of our fringe show. But um, overall, that's kind of how we're able to exist in, in this indie world world where everyone is fighting for scraps but they're fighting over the same scraps they don't understand that there's a lot of different things you can do to be entertaining the people whether they like hip-hop or not you can still tap into um their interests you know and not turn them off with just stale bullshit yeah absolutely it's like you can rap you just rap about shakespeare you know and then theater people get it <laughs> so it's actually good to ask you about the um, last weekend I had to I, I was made a judge of my first well I was the first time I've been invited to be a judge on a poetry slam oh, uh, no. <laughs> and I just came from Kelburn Garden Party which is um, the most beautiful festival in in the, the hills of Scotland and I went from there to, to Paisley to, to judge a poetry slam and I remember you saying be something before about because obviously is it is that a cappella piece called is it still electric or something like that? Yeah, yeah. I mean that's a that's a that's just that blows me away as an acapella. But I think you said that you were like yeah they're all very good sort of short term, but you should be trying to move on from that. Po- uh, poetry slams the game of slamming poems against each other for points um, is like it has a, a pretty finite set of skills that I think it can teach performers. And I think it, it can teach you those pretty quickly because it, you know, having judges randomly assigned throughout the crowd, giving you a number value at the end of your, your thing will tell you if you're new to performing quickly, whether it's good or not. And I remember like that, that was helpful to me because anytime you get on a microphone and do anything, people will just be like, that was good. Cause a lot of people don't ever want to do that. And so as a performer, when I was starting out, I remember like, well, yeah, but you know, how good, and no one really gives a shit. No one wants to give you like as deep a feedback as you need. No one wants to be mean to you. And so that's why Poetry Slam was cool at a time because it was like, oh, they, they liked you, but they didn't really, they liked you like a little bit. They halfway liked you, but like a seven. And so that was helpful to like locate you and like how to be better or something or, you know, uh, but then, yeah, once you're like winning that game, it becomes just a really narcissistic, dumb exercise that traps poets. Yeah, because it, it basically trains you how to manipulate a crowd. Uh, that's the whole game of Poetry Slam. You're manipulating judges and a crowd to give you a high score and really the separation for actual art is all about. Um, I see the value in it, but also people who dedicate their entire lives to it and never venture outside of the slam world because they're just so caught up in the game are doing themselves a disservice. They're lying to themselves or they're lying to others about what they really care about. Yes, well, I suppose it's, 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 it's probably a good thing for maybe someone coming from a hip-hop background to maybe peek their head in through the door and give it a shot to maybe... Um, to, to appeal to maybe a wider audience out with the hip hop, but you know, don't don't get obsessed with it. It's just a it's just a, a daft X factor. You mean it's, it's if you wouldn't you wouldn't be nobody would have any credibility by doing that on something like X Factor. But it's the same idea, really, isn't it? It is. Yes, exactly. It's, it's like, I mean, same thing with rap battles. It's there. There's a they all have a purpose. They can all be fun, but when when you lose the light heart heartedness of it and it becomes your life and it's all consuming you really are fucking yourself over it's dumb <laughs> i mean i think battle rap's an interesting one because, i mean the just the idea of uh, you know spending a month thinking about bad stuff to say against someone and then yeah. i think i think, I think the, the, the worst part though is you need to spend a month really looking at yourself and everything you've ever done wrong your appearance because you know that you've got to be ready to flip those things so I don't think it's probably a very healthy way to spend 90% of your, your lifestyle if you are doing it constantly. Right, you're draining your creative 
energy on the wrong thing. That's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. And people make a career out of it and like, good for you. But really, uh, how far can that extend? How how can you really branch out of that? There's not many people who dedicate themselves to battle rap who can have a hip hop career outside of battles. And that is something that would concern me if I was them. And it did concern me back when I was involved in battles and I made a, a concerted effort to not get caught up in all of that. And is, um, is, is, is a freestyling aspect something that, that you think is missing from battle rap these days? Because it's obviously, it's all it's pretty much always pre-written so much these days. Well, it's just become, yeah. a, become a medley of poetry slam and battle rap, what they used to be. It's just like a third option now. And they're all kind of these little bubbles that performers can stay in. And you're while you're in them, you're sort of like graded on a curve. Like you're, you might be great in there, but if we took you out of that bubble, would you, I mean, you mentioned X factor and that's like a real comparison. Like, could we put you on any stage anywhere in, in the UK or America? And could you command a crowd and, and, you know, give them all something with your battle rap verse and if your battle rap verse is like it might be pretty good it might or your slam poem might be pretty good but you would utterly fail if you had to just walk on stage at a club anywhere in america and do that and you know it's you have to be in a very specific niche in a very like with an audience that already understands the context and is giving you points just for playing this game and that's and you know battle rap now is like poetry slam was then like you just research and write and tailor your piece to get things to pop and people to hit emotional points and it's about stand up comedy timing and and all that you know so it's just a, another one it's a lot of theater i mean at least you're learning theater and you can apply that to other things but uh at the same time you're like I said, you're wasting your creative energy on a specific moment that then disappears after that. <laughs> you know, it's like you can't continue to perform this thing you worked a month on. Um, yeah, right. Of course, yeah, of course, they're not freestyling because for the most part, freestyle battles were not nearly as entertaining in the moment for a lot of people or if you're reviewing it on YouTube. But when you're working in the moment, unless you understand the value of a freestyle and what is being come up, you know, what you're improvising in the exact moment, then you have to like respect that craft. It's a very specific thing, but I've seen enough freestyle battles that were just totally awful. So at least when these people battle now, you know, they're not yeah. freestyling, but at least they, they have some actual, you yeah, know, yeah, specific- themes and actual content. Rather than, uh, yeah, I get it. Because obviously, there's loads of freestyle battles I've seen in the moment. Just, um, just, just with the, you know, how Jordan Cyphers freestyles happen, and uh, they can be quite entertaining in the moment, but they have no longevity. If that was to be recorded and put onto YouTube, you know, no one's wanting to see two rappers that no one really knows uh, saying things that aren't very good, you know. And it's not. I mean, there's really not many people out there who can freestyle in a way that is consistently entertaining or mind-blowing. And then when you came across MCs who could do that, they just dominated the field. So they basically had to change the entire game so that other people could play a game. <laughs> so if you could get another shot, that's a good way of looking at it, man. I've got a couple, a couple of questions from our listeners. Who, um, obviously, it was quite short notice, but I only found out that I was going to be interviewing you uh, yesterday. But... Um, I put a post out today and a few people got in touch, so I'm just going to uh, go through it. Sarah Thomas, who I know is a massive fan of you, um, she's asked quite a good one here. She said, what's their favourite lyric from each other's songs? So do, do you have a favourite of Sage? Do you have a favourite of B. Dolan's? B. Dolan, do you have a favourite of Sage's lyrically? Uh, yes, one of mine is Never Change Your True. <laughs> <laughs> Like he, there's a thing, there's a line. It's like, no matter what you say or do, never change your truth. Shit. And that's something I considered tattooing on my leg because, <laughs> like, I, I just want to always have that on me, and I want to be reminded that my true is something I really gotta champion <laughs> and stick to. Yes, I said never change your truth. Is just this fool heard the line wrong and insists on misquoting. <laughs> gave me a mug with that shit written on it. Um, 
but this is cool. My favorite line of his is um, there's there's snipos in the hills. I don't know what snipos are. I'm assuming this is it's like some type of science fiction shit where it's like they're probably related to snipers, but it's like the near future and there's snipos in the hill. <laughs> Uh, and it's such a visual, it's such a strong image that sticks with me every time I hear that song. Yeah, the, those are the little things from Star Trek with the hoods and the just <laughs> eyes that glow. Typos. <laughs> Typos. I saw that episode. So, if, if Jim Monaghan's uh, message in, and who is the biggest non hip hop musical influence? I, I know, you, 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 I'm sure I heard you saying that you don't really listen to much hip hop these days. I definitely have more like I I listen more non hip hop than B B is B is up on a lot of hip hop. For some reason, I branched off around '96 and just got consumed by a lot of other genres. And I find it difficult to listen to. I know, like I don't like exploring. I don't like exploring a lot of new hip hop and wasting brain neurons. Like I don't want to like. Comp- pollute my my hip-hop brain with stuff that i don't like i just want to keep loving it so um i listen to sports talk radio or ambient music but b is b is up on a lot of shit because he digs like a motherfucker uh meaning you know digging for samples and vinyl through vinyl so yeah you know, is, is, is b is b introduced you to any good hip hop that you've liked recently yeah this is yeah um this is dude Kendrick Lamar that does uh, <laughs> don't kill my don't kill my vibe. Uh, do, no, there was this Drake cat, but outside of that, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, but so so no, non musical so ambient for you. Be be doing uh, what what kind of non hip hop music uh, influences? It doesn't say musical. I think it's just what kind of non yeah, as musical. Sorry, non hip hop musical influences. I I do listen to a lot of music all the time between digging and working on it. And so when I listen to stuff lately, it tends to be just to chill out. So I've been listening to a lot of ambient Aphex Twin uh, or just random shit. Like uh, I got an Aretha Frank. Uh, yeah, an Aretha record I listen to all the time. Like it just in between shit. Uh, Bill Withers. I listen to a lot of Bill Withers lately. Right. I'll say Bill Withers. That's a good answer. Bill Withers, yeah. Yeah, amazing. And um, Sarah's actually asked as well, does the line, um, only living boy left in Providence from once upon a blood blood moon, owe more to Paul Simon or Carter USM? Yeah, yeah, it's a Paul Simon reference. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's more complicated than that. (laughs) 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 i mean there's there's that's a that's some that you know you hit a good line there but i can't really divulge what that's all about that's shit shit. respect man uh frank quinn says to sage as he's worked with charities in south africa to work on a solution to the aids crisis there does he feel that the rest of the world is ignoring just how much of a killer AIDS still is? Appears to me the US and UK in particular seem to think it's cured already when nothing could be further from the truth. Um, yeah, uh, it's massive. It's a huge problem. It's definitely not on the world news radar. Um, I know that developments are being made in the drug world, but when they do get made, it's not like those people who have been suffering for ages and they have the largest infection rate. It's not like they can benefit from, from the drug um, help. It's not cures so far, but you know, the help that they can get from drugs that they, ex- get, they experiment on these motherfuckers to find out what drugs are good. And then it becomes a cost that they can't afford uh, it's that's well beyond my depth. It's just something I experienced and saw in person, and I like to educate people on when I can. But the fact is, if it's one of those things that feels so big, I feel so helpless about that. I really, I'm not even sure how to properly address it, other than just saying it for what it is. People are being experimented on in South Africa. Kids who lost their parents to HIV. The kids have HIV, they get experimented on with various drugs, and then once they find something that works, it gets patented and sold, and it's not 
something they have access to after that point. Do you, do you think that, I mean, obviously this in, in, includes you as well, B, obviously lots of your songs have tackled homophobia, trans rights, all sorts of that. Do you think it is an artist's role to, 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 to take on these issues head on and, and raise awareness and, and make the listener think? Or is, or is that just a personal choice that you think that you should you should be taking on these battles? I don't think it's every artist's role, and I don't think every artist has to do it. I think it's something that I personally found a, a personal desire to do, and that's why in the moments when I made the songs that are probably most considered political of mine, those moments felt really personal at the time. Like it was, uh, which side are you on, was a sample I had had for a bunch of years and known it could be a really powerful song, but also known the history of that song in that using it, you couldn't use it lightly. And so I wasn't until I was in 2010, like at a place in my life where I wanted to write a song like that, really kind of devoid of any poetic, uh, you know, muddying of the waters and just clearly state how I felt of where I stood on certain things um, for the record, literally. And so I don't have a bunch of songs like that. I just have a couple songs like that, that have happened to resonate with people or take on lives of their own and have become associated with me. And so people like say like for years that I was a political rapper um, and we were both considered political rappers by people at times, at, at a time when most rappers were trying really hard to be cool, we were written for being political. And now everyone's kind of political and we're the Epic Beard Men. <laughs> well, I have an Epic Beard question actually from Hope London who says, do they sleep with their beards under their sheets or over their sheets or somewhere else? <laughs> That's too specific a question. Yeah, how do you put... I don't put my beard under no fucking sheet. So the beard, talking is, so the beard is over the sheet. I don't, even, I don't even go under the sheet. Yeah, what are yep. you talking about? It's summertime. I, summertime. I should, well, should I... Not not really in Glasgow right now. We could argue could argue that it's not it's not that warm over where we are just now. But um, so I, th I think I think I've got to got to go. Well, you've got to go. I, I could stay here all day, but I think you've got another interview just yeah. coming up. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. It's correct. the rainy season out there, right? It's the what? It's the rainy season out there. It's the rainy season, yeah, yeah. Rainy season is is full steam ahead in Scotland. We got a bit of sunshine at the weekend, so we can't complain for another month. But hopefully it, the sun will shine when you return to Glasgow at the Blue Arrow. Uh, I don't know what is that August the twelfth or something like that. Glasgow. I don't know. Uh, no, it's, it's Glasgow. Glasgow, mate. Glasgow. You changed it. <laughs> no, it was, it was, it's so I probably a posh person has told you how to say Glasgow wrongly, but it's Glasgow. You're gonna say Glasgow? Yeah, we're playing. The Blue Arrow in Glasgow on the Blue the Blue Arrow in Glasgow. Stop trying to change the name. <laughs> so, Blue, Blue, you're playing the Blue Arrow and you've got a new album out and you're doing a whole UK tour. We're about to. We're about to and do a you, UK tour. And you've avoided the fringe, so you're just gonna just do a normal tour. Is it was it is it much better for final question, just working together? Is it is it more fun being on the road together rather than working as so artists? I think so. I think yeah, it's. I mean, there's 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 pros and cons to both, but I I definitely didn't want to keep touring as a solo act because when I do, it's just me all by myself. And, and it was, you have solo albums coming up. Yeah, we're both we both are working on solo albums at the moment. Uh, no release plans or anything, but yeah, it gets lonely in that rental car all by yourself. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully, you can drop two solo albums at the same time and then come and do do the UK tour together. But I'll let you go to uh, thank you very much for joining us on You Call That Radio. Uh, big up, Sage. Big up, B. Any final words? Yeah, thank you. And big ups to all the space ghettos out there. <laughs> <laughs> space ghetto? Yeah, the space ghettos. Space ghettos. Next one, man. Thank you very much. Uh, enjoy the tour. And I'll hopefully see you when you get to the Blue Arrow. All right, brother. Look forward to meeting you. All right. Nice one, mate. Take it easy. Peace. Bye. Bye. And thanks to B. Dolan and Sage Francis for talking to us on You Call That Radio. Check out their new album under the name Epic Beard Men. And the album's called This Was Supposed To Be Fun. Excellent album. 
thoroughly recommend you check it out and check them out on their UK tour. They are playing Glasgow on August the 9th, like I said, at the Blue Arrow. It's a small venue, so it will sell out. So get your tickets now. We will also be giving away a ticket or two on our raffle, which is coming very, very soon to all our Patreons. You can automatically be entered into all our raffles by signing up on patreon.com forward slash you call that radio. Thank you to everybody who's been supporting that. I really do appreciate that kind of stuff. Now, I don't really know what's happening next week in this show. I think we're going to have an interview with Lucy Lyrical, the author. Um, I've got, I did an interview ages ago, so let's, let's do that. We'll probably do that next week and we'll have some other stuff, maybe live on location from Edinburgh Fringe. We'll do a proper Edinburgh Fringe thing next time, but I do recommend you check out Loki's show, Scotland Today, Leila Josephine's show, Daddy Drag. There's also shows from Creative Martyrs, Confessionals by Abby Normal and Victoria McNulty. There is shows by Kevin Goldie, Cat Hepburn. Hunters and hunters of shows, and obviously the Gyro Babies and Mickey Nines are doing a free show on the 23rd of August. I'm also doing a spoken word show and a battle rap at John McMuster's and Friends show, which is at half 10 on the 8th of August at the National Museum. And remember, please, please remember to buy a ticket for Barra's Fest. Gyro Baby celebrating 10 years of highs and low at the Barra's with Steve Mason, Mungo's Hi-Fi, The Moods and John McMuster and Friends. Please get your ticket. It's the 21st of September. It's 15 quid for the one night or you can pay 25 quid and you get to get go to the Friday night as well, which is another show of great stuff. Anyway, thank you for tuning in. I will leave you with our song of the week, which is... It's all gone to fuck 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 To beat you with the irony Forget the rivalry I took some time to hibernate Look lively mate I'm trying to be alive again Hi I'm Dave I'm the hardest guy in the library Don't lie to me Any questions fire away I'm higher than the guy in a spider Skyward ivory High rise with me Fly away while sirens rage My touch is my deceit With golden age variety Dry my eyes matey With Mike Skinner's original piracy We'll pilot in this hovercraft Silently through cyberspace Is that a Matrix reference? Is this in the test professor? I'm having a get together All aboard the Nebuchadnezzar No pressure through the iris Of a violent age Any cunt fancy playing I spy with me? Revolution's coming No time for lies and games The state's inspiring hate Something I conspire to break It's all gone to fuck 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 Tried in vain the day to keep my eyes on the prize again But my resolve dies when Beyonce shakes her thighs at me I'll write the slogans if you and your mate buy the paint Never planned to get out my brain but I'm easily swayed like Simon says I've got a sweet tooth but no saccharin in my refrain Couldn't give a flying fuck who I'll sugar fired the day Even if I utter a stutter I'll still define a maze Here by the way it'd be nice if nobody died did he die today I watched inner space and invented a giant ray Miniaturised my mate and then fried him in the microwave Full of cider I drew on a tiger's face Then went out to paint the town violet when the gyro came What lies in wait for live debate I tried to enlighten some right wing apes Took my time to state the case for peace, immigration and climate change But they were more anti-inciting hate With solar eye restrained And crucified on a formica stage It's all gone to fuck It's all gone to fuck it's all gone to fuck It's all gone